Good morning. This is Pastor Mike Letterman with ChristLives.org. Today we continue our series of sermons on the subject of the final countdown. Today our lesson comes from Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, the great white throne judgment. You know, this topic reminds me of a subject where a number of years ago, about 20 years ago, there was a young foreign exchange student who flunked out at the University of Tennessee. In shame, he decided to disappear. For the next two years, he hid in an unused attic of an old Knoxville church. Taking great pains to conceal himself, he quietly prowled around only at night, living off food and water from the kitchen. He never left the building or spoke to a soul. No one ever suspected he was there. Then one day, a slight mistake gave him away. Accidentally, the young recluse made some noise. The police were called, and he was finally discovered. How foolish this young man was to try to hide from his failure. Still, he's not as foolish as that person who thinks that they can hide from God. The world is filled with people who live as though they have no sin. They live as though God did not exist. They live as though they will never face God in judgment. What they hope for will never come to pass. The verses that we're going to study today tell us about a judgment day. They speak about that terrible day when every lost sinner will face the Lord in judgment. There will be nowhere to hide on that day. No one will hide behind excuses, ignorance, false professions, and etc. Everyone will face Jesus Christ as Lord and judge, and they will all answer and receive a just sentence for their sins. Today I want to examine the facts concerning an event that is known as the Great White Throne Judgment. Before I begin, I want you to know that there will not be one single soul, born-again individual, that will stand in judgment here. The key is a single born-again individual. This is a judgment seat for the lost. Let's notice the facts surrounding this judgment as I preach on the Great White Throne Judgment. Let's read from God's Word. The Judgment of the Dead. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Let's look at the judge and his great white throne. There are two adjectives here that are used to describe this throne. Number one, it is called great. Number two, it is called white. The word great refers to its power. This is the highest court in the universe. This is no small claims court. When judgment is rendered from this throne, there's no appeal for a higher court, for there is no higher court. This is the place of highest authority and final judgment. We can best understand this court by comparing it to our Supreme Court. There is no higher court in the land. All judgments rendered here will be final. The white adjective that's used to describe this throne speaks to the purity of this court. All human courts are tainted by sin, prejudice, and fallibility. 
This court, on the other hand, is absolutely perfect, and the judgment rendered here will be perfectly fair and righteous. The judge who occupies this bench is infallible. He cannot be tainted by sin or prejudice, but he renders judgment in perfect righteousness and fairness. Not a single person that's judged here will cry unfair when their sentence is handed down. Every sinner judged and sentenced will know what they have, that they have received perfect and fair judgment, and it is right. Let's look at the person on this throne. The Bible tells us that this throne is occupied by a person. However, his identity is not revealed here. It doesn't have to be. The Bible tells us in other places who is on this throne. Look at, let's look at his name. First of all, the man on this throne is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. If you look at John chapter 5, verse 22, it says, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to his Son. If we look at Acts chapter 10, verses 40 through 42, it says, But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God has appointed as judge of the living and the dead. The Savior will be the sentencer in this day. Let's look at his nature. This is not a lowly Nazarene who occupies his throne. This is not a poor, humble carpenter. This is a resurrected conqueror. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His appearance is described for us by the prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was as white as wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. I want you to note that his presence is so terrible and powerful that even the heavens and the earth flee from before him. Nature has good sense to bow before this judge. Why is it that sinners have such a difficult time doing the same thing? This is where the earth is purified by fire. If you look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 13, it says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and new earth where righteousness dwells. Revelation chapter 21 verse 1 says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and was no longer any sea. God destroys this ruined creation and remakes the universe as it was before sin invaded and devastated it. I want you to remember that today we are still living in a world of grace. During this time in history, a sinner can come before God and cry out for forgiveness, and the Lord will receive them and save them by his grace. Today is the day of grace. 
Today is the day of forgiveness. Today is the day of repentance. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of mercy. There will be none of these things in that day. There will only be judgment swift and sure. And this will issue from the great white throne and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at the perception of this throne. The Bible tells us here that there was found no place for the heavens and the earth to hide from the gaze of the one that sits on the throne. It needs to be remembered that this righteous judge sees all and he knows all. There's no sin hidden from him and no thought has ever been concealed. There will be no pretending and no pretense on that great judgment day, but only a sure recounting of every sinful deed and every sinful thought. Look at Luke chapter 8, verse 17, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14. Nothing will be hidden. You know, there are some people in the world today that feel that they are getting away with sin, and there's no consequence. But the truth is, God knows everything you have ever done, good or bad, and what you've been doing and thinking. He knows everything there is to know about you. You haven't hid a single thing from God. And you can be sure without Jesus, one day those sins will come back to haunt you. Look at Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Numbers chapter 32 verse 23. You will not hide from this righteous judge. He knows all about you before you will ever appear in his presence. He knows you intimately. Let's look at the justice behind the great white throne. The defendants appearing at the throne. We're told that those appearing before the throne are the dead. This proves that there will not be a single born-again believer in the group. Why? The Bible tells us that we who have trusted Jesus as our Savior have passed from death unto life. John chapter 5 verse 24. We have been given eternal, abundant life through the blood of of the lamb, and we can never lose that or be dead again forever. This can only mean one thing. This mass of humanity will be made up completely of those who are spiritually dead. Note also that this group includes all the physically dead. God raises their bodies from the tombs. He knows where every particle of human dust is located, and he is well able to bring it together and raise it to life. He calls their bodies from the ground and their souls from hell. He reunites them in a pitiful procession of anguish and hopelessness. No one is left out. The king, the president, the rich, the poor, the general, the foot soldier, the master, the slave, the borrower, and the lender will all stand before God. None will escape and none will hide, but all will face the righteous judge in judgment that day. Preachers, deacons, church members, popes, priests, nuns, choir members, drunks, drug addicts, pimps, pushers, grandmothers, grandfathers, teenagers, moms, and dads will all stand together with every other person who choose wickedness over righteousness before the throne to face their judgment. There will be no escape, and there will be no exceptions. Every person who has ever died without Jesus Christ will face him in this judgment on this day. In verse 13, it reminds us that all who died, regardless of where they died, will appear before Jesus in judgment. Even those who are in hell will be brought out for this judgment. 
Every lost sinner from the beginning of time to the last sinner slain in the millennium will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. The question I have is, will you be numbered among them? I can only imagine what this horrible assembly looks like as they stand trembling before the Lamb of God. They're forced to look upon the face of the one that they spat on. They can see the nail prints in his hands. They can see where the thorns pierced his brow. They can see where the whips lashed and tore pieces of flesh out of his body. They can see the awful things he suffered to atone for sin. They see him as he is, and they are filled with fear. Let's look at the documents that are used at the throne. The Bible tells us here that the books will be opened. One of those books is named, and it is called the Book of Life. I don't know all the books that will be used that day, but I'm quite sure a few of them will be opened. Allow me to share with you some of these for a moment. The Bible. Jesus himself reminded us that we, we, we would be judged out of his word, John chapter 12, verse 48. This Bible that sinners mock and refuse to heed will be used to render judgment upon their lives that day. It's much better to believe it now and go to heaven than reject it and face it in judgment and go to hell. There's the book of deeds. In heaven, a record is maintained of the deeds of all men. One day, every lost person will stand before the Lord and hear the record of his life read from that throne. Every deed, both good and evil, will be mentioned. Every sin will be read aloud. Sins of commission, omission, flagrant sins, secret sins, sins of the heart and sins of the mind, all will be brought out to open in that day. Verse 12 makes it clear that the lost will be judged according to their works. A man can either choose to stand on his own record and face God in his sins, or he can come to Jesus and have his record expunged. Faith in Christ wipes our record clean. Faith in Christ gives us the innate ability to stand before God covered in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do so, God can no longer see our sin. All he sees is the pure, untainted blood of our Lord and Savior. Then there's the Lamb's Book of Life. This book contains the names of those who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. See, when a sinner repents, their name is written in this book. That's the reason that Jesus told his disciples to rejoice in Luke chapter 10, verse 20. This book records who has and who has not accepted Jesus as their Savior. When the great white throne judgment comes about, both this book and the book of life will match perfectly. Can you imagine the horror of standing there that day and hearing your sins recounted? Can you imagine being forced to admit your sins and the fact that you were a sinner? Then imagine Jesus opening the book of life and showing where your name was removed. Then imagine him opening the Lamb's book of life and showing you that every slot in that book is filled and your name does not appear among them. Is this a fantasy? No, I don't think it is. It'll be a time of such horror that nothing in life can compare with it. You need to be sure that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you have any doubts, you need to get it settled today. There will be decisions made at that throne. 
The last phrase in verse 13 tells it all. When these books are opened, judgment is rendered based on the evidence found in the books. You can be sure that the evidence is accurate and that the record is complete. You know, it's worthy of noting here that every person will stand on his own, regardless of the excuse you use to justify not coming to Jesus Christ today. In that day, you will stand under judgment by yourself. It doesn't make any difference who hurt you, who stood in your way, what hypocrites you looked at, or whatever. It will all come down to you and Jesus. How much better it is to come to Jesus in this day when there's still hope for salvation than in that day when there's no hope for anything except judgment. The judgment on the great white throne will be a fearful judgment. The sentence rendered from this bench is death. Not just physical death, but the second death, which is the eternal separation from God in the fire of the lake of fire. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9-10. through 10. This death involves no dying. There will be no end to the torment, to the hell, to the awful nature of what the sinner will face. It will be an eternal state of dying apart from the presence of God or anything good. It will be hell. It is the death that Paul refers to in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, as the wages of sin. Can you imagine the horror of hearing Jesus say the words that will condemn you to condemn you to eternal torment. Can you imagine hearing him say, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. This is what's recited in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. Imagine living your life the way you wanted, without regard for God or his will, and then having to hear the Lord, who loved you enough to die in your place, die in your place, speak those awful words. I don't think there could be anything so terrible. Some of you who are hearing me today will hear him say, I never knew you. There's no record of your birth. Depart from me. Perhaps the only thing that equals what would be for you to be a religious person, a church member, a regular attendee of the Lord's worship service, and have to stand before him and hear him pass judgment on your life. This is the very scene spoken of in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Don't let this happen to you. Come to Jesus while there's still time. Come to Jesus while there is still grace. Come to Jesus while there is still hope. Come to Jesus today. There will be a final judgment. Final because there will be no appeals. All judgment rendered from this bench will be final and they will be binding. This will be the last day any of these sinners ever see. There will be an end there will be there will be at the end of the road for them. They are forever consigned to the lake of fire to suffer torment for eternity. Did you believe the first sermon in the final countdown? Do you remember the difference between hell and the lake of fire versus Hades and Guyana? That's why God asked me to preach that very first sermon in the final countdown to baseline hell. Hell is real. You know, there's many out there that don't believe this is true, and I just can't understand it. They deny the reality of hell and claim that such notion is old-fashioned and out of date. The Bible tells us that hell is real and that lost sinners do indeed go there to spend eternity. Look at Psalms chapter 9, verse 17. Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Would this be a foolish judgment? It's foolish only in the sense that it doesn't have to happen. Any sinner 
who's willing to repent and turn to Jesus alone, by faith alone, can be eternally saved. The precious blood that Jesus shed on Calvary is sufficient to the saving of any sinner who calls upon him. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 13. The grace of God is sufficient for every sinner who will come regardless of the depths of their sins. The love of God for the Lord is sufficient to receive all who will come by faith. Look at John chapter 6, verse 37. Please don't do a foolish thing and die without Jesus. Come to him while the door is still open. You know, I think this is one of the most horrible scenes that's mentioned in the Bible. I think the concept of people perishing forever is terrible beyond any description. However, as horrible as it is, and as sad as it is, it is nonetheless true. You know, if you've never been saved, you need to come to Jesus. You need to be saved today. If you trust Jesus by faith, he will save you and spare you from this terrible time of judgment. It's going to come upon all who are lost. To those of us that are saved, this passage reminds us of the terrible need of the world around us. If nothing else, it ought to move us to come before the Lord and cry out for the souls of our friends, our neighbors, and our loved ones who still need Jesus. It ought to stir our hearts so that we will not rest until we have tried to tell every lost person we know that salvation is available to them if they will come to Jesus. Surely, we not become so hardened that the thought of hell no longer moves us. You know, an old preacher friend of mine from northeast Tennessee worked in the coal mines as well as pastoring a small country church. His work took him to so many different places in the mine all day long. One day, an inspector who needed to consult with him about the safety conditions in the mines came to find him. And, of course, he was impatient and frustrated by the time he finally found my friend. Here's, a, here's this conversation that occurred. The inspector said, I've been looking all over hell for you. That's one place you'll never find me, was my friend's calm reply. I'll never be in hell because I've been saved from hell by the blood of the Lord Jesus. There wasn't anything else said on that subject until the two men got their business settled. But at the end of their work day, just before the whistle blew, the inspector again came looking for Elmer. I've been looking and thinking about you all day. I've been thinking about what you said today, he said. I wish I could know that I am saved from hell. You can know, Elmer reassured him. With verses from his ragged, coal-dust-stained Bible, the New Testament, he explained God's plan of salvation. And standing there, outside the mine, the inspector prayed to receive Christ. Now, this can be your testimony today. Wouldn't you like to be able to, to say about hell, this is the one place you'll never find me? You can if you come to Jesus right now. You, know, you need to decide whether you will claim the blood of Jesus and the salvation it supplies or whether you will face him someday to shed the blood of destruction. His blood saves. Your blood condemns you to judgment and to hell. Thousands of years ago in Egypt, God saved his people by the blood of a lamb. They killed that lamb, placed its blood on the doorposts of their houses, and went in. And when they did, they were saved, safe, and secure. You see, they were under the blood. And when the death angel passed through that night, they, will sp they were spared. Why? Because they were under the blood. What about you? Are you under the blood today? Has the blood of Jesus been applied to the doorposts and lintels of your heart?
Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? I hope so. For if you haven't, you will face him as your judge one day. If you're in that valley of decision, I ask you to come to Jesus right now. One day, Jesus will call his court to order. You need to be sure that you are saved before that day comes. If you can, bow with me, please. If you can't, as I've said many times, God has heard my prayers many times behind the wheel of that car. Dear Heavenly Father, as I prayed before this sermon, you impressed on my heart that there were many in the sound of my voice that had not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, I ask you to please, please impress on their heart that if they accept Christ right now, today, they do not have to live in fear of the great white throne judgment. Father, please speak to their heart. I know there are those that have been saved by faith. Maybe they've fallen away and they haven't lived a Christian life. Father, I urge you to touch their heart and the need that we have for warriors to help save a lost and dying world. Father, I love you. I thank you for your son, Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. If you made a decision today, I would like to know about it. Please send an email to ministry at christ-lives.org or visit our website at www.christ-lives.org and hit our contact page. There you also find the last six or seven uh, sermons that I have preached and a link to the RSS feeds if you would like to listen to them again. My listeners, thank you so much for your time and attention today. And little Anisu, my prayers are still with you and your parents. God bless you. Amen.